current challenges in anticoagulating atrial fibrillation patients with renal impairment. In this episode, we are joined by Andrew Steele, nephrologist and diabetologist from Lake Ridge Health Corporation. Dr. Steele, CKD is an important risk factor for poor cardiovascular outcomes. Where does the balance lie between efficacy and safety considerations in AF patients with CKD? Well, uh, atrial fibrillation uh, in CKD, uh, like in the general population, increases the risk of stroke, but CKD itself uh, is uh, a risk factor for not only increased uh, prevalence of stroke and systemic emboli, but also increased risk of bleeding with the very drugs that we use to prevent and reduce the risk of stroke and systemic emboli. So uh, while the CCS and, and basically globally guidelines have recommended uh, NOACs for the prevention of stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation, many uh, primary care physicians and even some specialists have been cautious when uh, they're treating patients with you know, CKD, especially advanced CKD. Nonetheless, we have a lot of evidence, both from the randomized clinical trials, such as the subset of, of patients in the ROCKET trial who had reduced renal function, as well as uh, the other large cardiovascular outcome trials with the other available agents in Canada, and we have evidence in patients with more advanced CKD uh, uh, in stage four and even stage five CKD uh, for stroke prevention with, with NOACs, albeit in the more advanced CKD, uh, it, it's mainly coming from uh, observational data rather than randomized uh, uh, trials. So, you know, the, the bottom line with uh, patients with advanced CKD or even reduced renal function is that meta-analysis of the four large cardiovascular outcome trials has shown that patients with reduced renal function, if your creatinine clearance is below 60 or below 50, depending on where the cut points were, those patients actually do better compared to warfarin, which has traditionally been the gold standard, by about a 20% reduction in stroke or systemic emboli. And the trade-off, the bleeding risk, is actually reduced, not increased overall, with about a 14 or 15% reduction in major bleeding in these patients. So that if we look at, for example, in the subset of patients in ROCKET uh, who had a creatinine clearance less than 50, there was a particularly increased benefit versus the traditional gold standard uh, with respect to stroke and systemic emboli, as well as a reduction in major bleeds, particularly intracerebral bleeds, but other major bleeds. And this is similar in the other large trials. What we don't really have good evidence for is patients with advanced CKD, stage four, stage five CKD, and there are trials that are underway at the present time uh, that will try and answer that question. Uh, the Zarino trial is a, is a trial of uh, patients with creatinine clearances between 15 and 49, uh, so advanced kidney disease that will be randomized to either um, rivaroxaban warfarin or even a placebo arm to try and answer that question in people with more advanced uh, uh, CKD. And really the uh, results of that should start to coming out within the next uh, year or so. And I hear that even some of the early results might be presented this year at the ESC. So we really do have some, um, some data, uh, albeit uh, not randomized controlled trial data in those patients, so that really with the data that we do have, um, uh, Health Canada has now approved and expanded the indication for rivaroxaban down to a creatinine clearance of 15. Beyond that, in the dialysis patients is a different story. And really the decision there should be between the physicians uh, in the nephrology program, the cardiologists and the patients to then go beyond the guidelines and even beyond uh, what currently is uh, indicated in Canada. 
and it becomes a very individualized approach. So Dr. Steele, that's actually a great segue to our next question regarding the importance of appropriate NOAC dose selection in patients with CKD. How do the NOACs differ in their dosing and what are the Canadian recommendations? Right. Well, you know, each of the four NOACs that's clinically available in Canada has different degrees of renal excretion. Uh, and, you know, rivaroxaban and apixaban have the least renal excretion, whereas dabigatran has the most, and then adoxaban somewhere in the middle. Uh, so um, in the clinical trials, uh, the, the clinical trial that had the most sort of dedicated renal substudy was really the rocket study, in which case all of the patients, all 1,474 patients who had a creatinine clearance less than 50, got the, in quotation marks, renal dose of rivaroxaban, the 15 milligram dose, and that had excellent efficacy and safety all the way down to creatinine clearance of 30. Uh, Dabigatran and um, adoxaban uh, should not be used in Canada when your creatinine clearance is less than 30. Um, uh, 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 apixaban in the um, Aristotle trial allowed creatinine clearances as low as 25, but in Canada, no dosing recommendations can be made below a creatinine clearance of 25 with apixaban. Rivaroxaban is the only NOAC in Canada that has a dosing label indication all the way down to a creatinine clearance of 15 based on not just data from within the rocket study, but also pharmacokinetic, pharmacodynamic data, as well as uh, observational clinical trial data. Andrew, thank you very much for that. And let's just shift our focus for a second to warfarin, which is often seen as a contributor to vascular <laughs> calcification. In your opinion, how can clinicians limit the progression of renal impairment in these patients? Right. So we've always thought of warfarin as just a blood thinner and, uh, you know, helps us to reduce the risk of clotting. But one thing that warfarin also does is it inhibits uh, MGP, which is an important inhibitor of arterial calcification. So when you're inhibiting an inhibitor, you actually then promote arterial calcification, which in observational data and uh, mechanistic data, we can see that the, this leads to increased arterial stiffness, for example, increased brachial uh, you know, stiffness and arterial uh, stiffness throughout to, uh, the body in both animal and human models. Uh, and this leads to uh, uh, potentially then worsening vascular disease with intermittent medial calcification, et cetera. So uh, in uh, uh, clinical trials, um, uh, as well as uh, in uh, observational data, we've seen that compared to some of the NOACs, uh, warfarin patients tend to have a lower uh, or a, a faster rate of decline in kidney function, so achieving lower GFRs, have more acute kidney injury. So, you know, when your GFR changes suddenly by more than 30%. Um, and this is true, particularly when compared against uh, rivaroxaban or dabigatran. So much so that rivaroxaban and dabigatran have preferentially been favored with respect to kidney protection versus warfarin. And this has been cited in the 2019 American Heart Association guidelines for anticoagulation. Dr. Steele, thank you very much for your expertise and insight and for joining us today. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for joining this podcast. Mm -hmm.